Hello, and welcome back to another episode of The Addictive Pod. My name is Adrian, and today I'm joined by another host of a podcast. His name is Shane Raymer. He's the host of That Sober Guy podcast. And today he joins me to tell his story of recovery from alcohol. So Shane was not your typical alcoholic. He was very functional, had a, had a couple kids. He worked a decent job, never blackout drunk, never homeless, anything like that. But drinking and drug use did bring him to the point where he knew it wasn't a benefit to his life. And this is a story about trying to quit on your own, not being able to. It's a story about rehab. And it's a story about how to be present in life and learn to face life head on instead of numbing out. Please join me in welcoming the host of That Sober Guy podcast, Shane Raymer. All right, Shane, welcome to the Addictive Pod, brother. Good to meet you. Adrian, what's up, man? Good to be here. Thanks for having me on your podcast today, dude. How long have you been doing That Sober Guy podcast? Has it been a few, like six years, seven years? I launched the show in uh, in April of 2014. So what is that? Eight years, roughly? Right around eight years. Damn. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, and then it looks like you you made that a business, right? Like you actually, that's your main thing. You basically do the Sober Guy podcast, then you do other podcasts for other businesses. Is that right? Yeah, I do. So um, I launched Sober Guy and, uh, you know, there, what, what, what was great was um, I kind of saw the direction like the podcast space and the podcast industry was going at the time. Uh, it was really exciting. I was kind of in that second wave of like, like podcasting starting to kind of um, get more known, I guess. Um, and there was Dr. Drew, um, there was Anna David, um, I think there was a, a recovery AA podcast. There wasn't a lot of content out there when I looked for it because I was kind of looking for something to listen to also, like how I yeah. was like a few months out of rehab and I was trying to stay sober. Um, a friend of mine turned me on to a podcast called The New Man with a friend of mine, Trip Lanier. And so I started listening to that and that um, that's like what inspired me, that and Entrepreneur on Fire, um, that's what inspired me to... I was like, man, like I, I was tired of not, I'd been quiet so long about, um, about like hiding my drinking and other things I was doing. And so when I got sober, I was like, man, I don't really want to hide it anymore. Like I want to talk about it. I want to help other people yeah. and I want people to hear about it. And so, um, you know, kind of a few of those things come, uh, combined is what literally led me to sitting up in bed one night and telling my wife, like, I'm going to start a podcast. I don't know how the heck I'm going to do it, but um, I'm going to do it and I'm going to share my story and hopefully it'll encourage others to talk about their recovery and then we'll be able to have people come on and share. And um, yeah, so that's kind of how Sober Guy came up. And then I took that idea um, and I was able to um, turn it into creating a podcast inside a Fortune 500 um, company and so I do corporate communications and podcasting for other businesses cool. and different lines of business and as well as sober guy. Yeah. That's huge. That's yeah. It's a big inspiration for me, man. Cause I think similar to you when I, right when I came into recovery, I needed to be constantly connected. Like I needed to be listening to people. Yeah. I couldn't go to sleep without like hearing recovery stories. So it yeah, was so totally. cool for me to, uh, I, I definitely got sober later than you. I think you're, you're like eight years sober now, right? Yeah. September 11th, 2013. 
congratulations, man. That's yeah. huge. Thank That's you. Huge. So bring me back. I actually, I don't know the, uh, I've heard a few like Q and A's that you've done. I've heard a ton of your podcasts, but I don't know the full story beginning to end. So I'm, I'm really excited to hear, uh, like when your drinking first started and yeah, maybe let's start okay. there. Like when did, when did you first have a drink and how did that whole addiction begin? The first time I drank, I think I was like 14, 13 or 14. I drank like a whole bottle of Bacardi Lemon. <laughs> just trying to like be cool. And what's funny, man, is so I grew up in like my parents were really young when they had me. And this was in the 80s. So, man, the 80s were just it was kind of a different time. And um, there was a lot of uh, alcohol abuse and um, drugs Um emotional abuse, like just a lot in our, in our family. Um, and then contrary to that, what's crazy is at the same time, there, there was some good times too. So you kind of never knew like what was going to pop off like at any moment. So it really created that unpredictable. This in- yeah. Just on Dude, the edge of your seat. Unpredictable, totally unpredictable. Like that's a, that's actually a good, I, so the way I put it is like unpredictable chaos. Cause you never knew like Fuck. what was gonna go down And so what that did for me, it did two things. Like it made me like never want to drink, right? As a kid, I just skated, I BMXed, I played a ton of baseball um, and I tried to stay out as much as I could. Um, And then it also made me like in in staying out, I learned how to run. You know, I learned how to like not, I didn't want to deal with stuff at home. I didn't want to be in that environment. So like I tried to be out at my friend's house out skating, like out riding, you know, doing, doing whatever, hanging out with my friends and stuff like to be out of the house. And so I think I developed like this early, like way to cope with stuff by just not, not really dealing with it. Um, And so when I got to be a teenager, even though like I had really promised myself, I wasn't gonna, I didn't want to do alcohol, man, you get to be a teenager, like peer pressure, like other kids are doing stuff. And then I also was just trying to find like, an escape, I think too. And so the yeah. first time that I drank that Bacardi Lemon, man, I got so sick. I was at my buddy Dan's house and his, his older cousin, uh, Jason was there and we were all kind of hanging out. And, um, it was, it was like, we were all having fun. Like there wasn't any, um, any, like, you know, there, like we weren't doing anything really bad other than just like we were drinking and we were like 14. Um, and so I remember, I remember getting so sick and like, um, I remember Jason was messing with me. I was like laying by the toilet and he was flipping the lights on and off and they were just laughing. They were just laughing at me and I was like puking and like, but man, it was so crazy. Cause I remember the next day I felt like dog shit and like, um, but the, the way that it made me feel, even though I got sick, like, I remember just feeling so warm and like, just like so good. Like I didn't care about anything, like nothing mattered, you know, even though I I felt like crap and I was like, man, that sucked. Um, that kind of led down, you know, that path of, um, you know, I, I don't, you know, when, I don't know when the second time I really drank was, I don't remember. I do remember at one point, um, my dad had some tequila in the garage shortly after that. And I remember being angry about something frustrated and I remember they left and I went right to the garage. I, I would guess I was maybe like 15 around this time. And yeah. I went right to the garage and he had a shot glass sitting out there. And I just poured like three or four shots of uh, Jose Cuervo and just and just downed him. 
And I just yeah. felt that same thing, that warmth, that escape. And so, man, that just led like through my teenage years. And then in like I graduated high school, I still played baseball. Um, and I would drink like on the weekends and, you know, we, we would, I, we would go hang at the park or whatever. And man, like after a while, after I went to work, um, I was, you know, in bands and, and I, I played in a lot of shows and like wrote a what lot type of music. Of, what type and, of music do you play or what instrument do you play? So I play guitar and I write, so I nice. write poetry and, um, you know, I don't, I don't do it as much as I used to, but like back then that was like, I really wanted to, I was friends with a lot of musicians who do it professionally. And so I saw uh, um, a lot of my friends like doing different things. And so I kind of wanted to do that too. And, and back then, you know, my take on it was like, well, if you're going to be in the music business, like you need to like party and you need to be a, like a maniac, you know, like that was like what I thought was, was right. Yeah. Really and it's into, not like, just alcohol anymore. It's not just a yeah, couple of beers exactly. or shots of tequila there's a whole, yeah, there's a whole thing that goes with it. And, uh, yeah, yeah. It's just like, it was fun for a while, I guess. Like it was cool. Like I didn't really care about much. I didn't have kids at the time. I wasn't married. I was with my wife, you know, we were just dating at the time. Um, and I don't know, it just got worse. So it just got worse over time. You know, it, it progressed pretty fast. Um, how did you feel at this stage? Can I just ask, like in your relationship when you're going to jam with the guys or if you're you're playing sports, do you feel uh, like part of the group? Do you feel like you're in a happy relationship at this point? Or is there a sense of like anxiety in you throughout your life that you needed to escape from still? Because at this point, you're not living with your parents anymore, I assume. You're, you're kind of on your own. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a really good question, man. I know a lot of, um, you know, I know there's a lot of dudes out there in particular who do struggle with that, like that social anxiety, the peer pressure, like even, even into our twenties, you know, there's a, there's a lot of that. And I imagine it's, um, it's tenfold now with all this, the way that everything is right now. And yeah. obviously, you know, a lot has changed in the world since, um, I kind of went through this, but, um, I, you know, for me, I, I was really like, I was pretty mellow. Um, like, were you happy? I, I guess is what I want to say. Were you a happy person? Yeah, I think I was fairly. I think I was fairly happy, but like, I really took a lot of. Um, I didn't have a lot of self confidence at the time. Um, you know, during this time, I, I was, I was, I was pretty insecure. I didn't really know who I was. Like I always say, right. like I didn't really start learning who I was until I was thirty two, until I quit drinking, because like that's all I did was especially in my mid to late twenties, that's all. I mean, I couldn't go anywhere. Everything revolved around alcohol, around partying. Like that's just what it was. And I thought that was normal. You know, um, I was fairly happy, but I was like rooted in this struggle, like this, this mindset that like, I was always going to struggle. Um, you know, I didn't really care that I drove like a shitty car. I still don't really care that I drive a shitty car personally, but like, I, um, I, don't, even, I don't even have a car, bro. I can't talk shit. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. I mean, like material stuff here's like my take on that is like, we're all going to die one day and I don't get to take any of that stuff with me. So I don't really yeah. care. It doesn't mean like I can't have nice stuff or, you know, maybe I don't want to like we like we're so blessed right now. I don't even know how we we're able to be in the house that we're in right now. It's amazing to me. I'm super grateful for it. Um, but like, you know, it's never been like something I've strived for, like in particular, but what's funny about that is I did strive for it in a way of like 
fame and like music and like mm. um, money like that way. But it was never anything yeah. really like in particular, but there was like this deep needed feeling to feel wanted and feel like noticed and feel heard, you know? And so now that I understand that, it kind of makes sense like why I started the podcast too. Cause I still do. I, I, I want to share, I want to be of service. Like I want to help people. I want to be able to speak into people um, you know, and I, I want people to be able to, um, hopefully relate to some of my story and maybe it can help them. And so I think it's coming from a, a, a more healthier place today versus right. what it did like back then I was just young and immature and didn't really know like what path I was on. Like I said, I didn't really know who the heck I was, you know? No, that, that definitely makes sense. And I think it's common. Like I wouldn't say listening to your story, oh, there was something deeply wrong with you and you were so different from everybody else. I think that is a very common early 20s experience of not knowing who you are, not knowing what you really want to do, but wanting other people's approval. Like that's the most, Yeah, it's a, a ba- yeah. very basic instinct, right? And, and thinking that you know everything in some sense. Like I, I kind of, I thought I had it kind of figured out, I think at one point. Um, and I didn't, and I still don't, you know, and yeah, the twenties was just weird, man. It was weird. And then it just progressed really fast. Yeah. Where um, did the, where did the drinking take you? So when did drugs start to get involved? Well, drugs were always involved, man. I was a, like, a, like I smoked a ton of weed. Um, yeah. I mean, I like, so I, so some of my friends that were in the music business and just, we created a lot of music. They were, um, affiliated with a group called potluck out of Humboldt County and, um, they did a lot of music together and like they, they had a, um, one of their sayings was like, I don't get high, I stay high. And so that's kind of like, was the motto. Like we didn't right. just go to smoke weed to get high. We just smoked weed. I mean, it's just what we did. Yeah. And, yeah. um, so that was always a constant and then alcohol was always a constant. And, and that was like the issue really for, for me was alcohol. But what alcohol did is it led to other things like cocaine like pills, like I'll pretty much just do, um, do any, like any type of pills or, um, um, like powders and stuff. Like, um, I, I never, I never messed with like heroin though, um, or anything like that. I don't know. I guess I thought I was too good for it. <laughs> Fucking, like, it's unbelievable, think- dude. It's like, needles, oh, I'm not, I'm not touching me. that, but I'll do like, you know, <laughs> Coke or, or like snort. Crystal such a, such or- a noble man. Yeah, I know. It's just like, it's so weird, man. And everyone's, you know, everyone's story is a little different there, but it's all, yeah. it just, it, yeah. It, so it, it really progressed in that, like where I couldn't drink without getting Coke, you know, at one point for a, a long time. And then I couldn't even go to work and stay sober at, at one point. Oh, I couldn't geez. even wake up and go, you know, and stay sober. Um, I had a really hard time towards the end. And, you know, by this time I was in my early thirties and um, I was, you know, and I was in construction for, for a while in my 20s and in, um, into my early 30s. And so, like, that whole mentality is like, shoot, you, you work hard and you party hard, you know. And so I did. And then we have my daughter, you know, she was two. And um, I've shared this a couple times recently. And it's funny, my wife pointed out to me I had forgotten about it for, for years. And it's such a pivotal moment. Like, I was in the garage and I was like – I. I just got done smoking, I think, and um, and smoking some weed or whatever. And um, my daughter walked out in the garage and and she opened the door and she said, Dad, she was like two or two and a half. She said, it smells like evil out here. And then she just turned around and walked in. Yeah. And I was like, oh, man, dude. And it it was kind of like a a gut punch 
Um, like it just like, I think she smelled the vibe. I don't necessarily think that like, you know, she was like, that's, she didn't, she was so young. She didn't know what weed was, you know, but like she, she could smell oh the energy. God. Yeah. That it was yeah. just like, there was something that was just so wrong in my spirit and in, um, in the place we were at, like, dude, I mean, we we're so broke. Like our power was getting shut off. We we're about to get evicted. Um, like it was, it was a really hard time. Like we were on food assistance, you know? Um, so yeah, it was, a, it was a tough time. It was really, I was exhausted from all of it. I was tired of it. I tried to quit multiple times, but like, I just, I, I, tr I kept trying to do it on my own. I, I didn't grasp the concept of like, I'm not the only one going through this. And like, there's programs, there's meetings, there's other people, you know, first you got to admit you have a problem. It's an issue, you know? And so it took me a while to do that. You know, once I when did, your daughter, when your daughter said that, like, did that motivate you to try again? Or did that motivate you to go to rehab? Or was it later on that you made that decision? Yeah. So, so there was, it, it was later on, but there was a couple of things that happened. So there was that, there was my, the ups and downs of everything going on at home, like in my marriage, like I really wanted to be like a good father. Like I didn't want my kids to grow up seeing what I went through and what I saw growing up with alcohol For being sure. like a driving force in the family. And so I wanted that, but I just like was so deep into what this, you know, just the daily routines that it was really hard to, to get out of it. I couldn't do it alone. But then um, my buddy, Chris, who I had done music with, we, we put an album out called chemical diet, um, in 2011. So there's some, there's some hip hop, some reggae, um, different, I think there's like 20 tracks on there. And we spent a lot of time just like partying and, um, it's called chemical diet. So you can imagine what we were doing while we were recording it. Um, and shortly after we put that out, um, he got in a really bad car accident and almost died. He was in a coma for like 50, three days or 52 days. Oh my God. And, um, yeah. And so that was, that was a wake up call because, you know, you see like one of your best friends, like almost die. Um, and like, you just, it makes you think like, well, how many times have I driven intoxicated? Like how many times have I been messed up and made bad decisions and poor choices? Like that could have been any one of us. Um, and, and so I still didn't get sober from there, but it was, it was probably, I think within like six months of that. Um, yeah, I, I just, what like, was the last straw for you? Like after the six months, what was the very last thing? I was that just exhausted. The page? I, I, so I was just exhausted and I had two feelings. I had this feeling in my gut that like, if I didn't get some help, something really bad was about to happen. I could, it's the craziest thing. I could literally feel it inside of me. It was like eating at my stomach. It's like, man, something, I don't know if it's that like fear of impending doom or what, but there's definitely something there that was pushing me. And then I also could feel like this calling from God, like saying like, I, like there's more to life for you. Cause one thing I always search for, I think a lot of guys and in, in particular and, and people in general, but I'll just speak to the dudes cause I'm a dude. Like, I think that we look for this, we, we want to find our purpose. Like, why are we here? What's my purpose on this earth? Like, why? Um, you know, what am I here to do? Um, and so there was that deep sense for me in that. And like, I had this feeling that, um, God had something more for my life, but like, I wasn't going to be able to, to find it and to go down that path. 
until I cut out the alcohol. Like that was the first step, you know, because I, I don't know if, uh, man, I'm sorry. For some reason, like my phone is going off right now. It's really uh, annoying. Guy. Sometimes I want to yeah. throw it in the damn garbage man. I hate <laughs> that thing. Um, but you got to turn um, all those notifications off. Uh, ever I know. To, like, I do. Kyle I have Newport, a... like digital minimalism. Oh dude. Yeah, totally. Like just keep that it guy's off. Amazing. I, what is it? Digital minimalism. I'll have to check. Yeah. It. Cal, see yeah. It. He talks about like how these phones are designed to like just destroy our attention dude. and suck us in. And he talks 100%. about like turning it off, like just making it completely mute. Anyways, sorry yep. to interrupt. Um, I, I, by the way, I love those type of conversations and topics. I'm all into that stuff oh, too, yeah. because it's, yeah. they're definitely designed to take what well, kind of lines up actually with what I was going to say. Um, alcohol, uh, electronics, um, apps, um, media. I mean, na name the food, go down the list of all the yeah. things. So we talk about distractions. They're also designed to subdue our consciousness in my opinion you know so alcohol yeah, is a great right. example of that if you look at where the term al alcohol is an arabic term and it actually means body eating spirit so that's why oh they refer God. to alcohol like as spirits you'll see them on signs like oh come get some spirits or we're gonna drink spirits i, I always wondered like why they called it that um but it's it's meant to to like suppress the level of our consciousness that's why you'll hear a lot of people um who Maybe there's a guy who's like 55 and you'll say, oh yeah, well, he's, you know, he really has the mind of like an 18 year old because he's been drinking mm. for so many years that suppressed his mind. He just never evolved. You know, he never, he never, um, uh, came to like a level of consciousness, like in this reality in a sense. And so I feel like for 32 years, like my consciousness was really suppressed for, for, mm. um, you know, for a long time. And it wasn't until there's a lot more to it. It's not like, oh, you just quit drinking and then all of a sudden your life is like magical and amazing. Like that's not at all. There's way more to it than that. Like that's just the first step though. And like I did that through working a program, like a 12-step program through church, through giving my life to Jesus and to um, my higher power um, and to being around other other men um, who I can talk to. You know, I have a sponsor. Like I, I do the work, um, you know, on the podcast, a big part of that too. Like this is a daily thing. It's not like, oh, I just don't drink. Like I don't drink and that's like a lifestyle that I live like on the daily. There's, you know, there's a, there's a lot more to it than that. And dude, it's, it's not always like, it's not always easy, but man, it's so much better than it was nine year, eight, nine years ago, you know? Yeah. Way better. It's, it's painful still. Like, I think that's one thing. And I love how you talked about that, like dulling the consciousness because yeah, you, you described it ever since you were a kid. You wanted to kind of escape that feeling. You yeah. wanted to get out of the house, get out of that feeling of, of fear, of uncertainty. And alcohol yep. will do that. You'll, you'll numb out those feelings way down. You'll feel just sort of a baseline numb comfort. But yeah. how do you face the pain of being conscious? And how do you sort of raise your consciousness in recovery? Let's say you're doing an amends, for example. It's a really mm -hmm. fucking hard thing to do. You're going to go to somebody yeah. and you're going to go to apologize and own your part. How do you face that pain and, and what's on the other side of that? Yeah, it's a great question, man. Um, it's hard. It really is hard. I still have a really hard time feeling, you know, like I, I say that like um, it, you know, it's great that I get to feel today, but like, I, like my wife will make jokes, like she'll have something on and I'll, and I'll say, well, I guess I'm trying to make the joke and she kind of snuffs me, but it's like, she'll have something on like, okay, here's an example. 
we threw on the Wonder Years the other night. I don't know if you remember that show. It's an old show. It's like from the 80s and 90s. It came up on Hulu. And we just had some family time. And we were sitting down. We, we finally got to relax a minute. And we were like, hey, let's throw on the Wonder Years. It's a good like family show, right? And um, I found myself getting up towards the end, like her middle, and like moving around. Like I got a, I got a snack. Like I got some water. And I noticed that there was a lot of feeling going on in the episode. <laughs> and and I'm like, man, this is like a feeling show. Like, you know, you got to feel, you feel a little bit of sadness. You, you relate to yeah. them, like their family, like the episode was like, you know, they were doing flashbacks of when they were kids. And it made me think of my kids, like, man, it goes by so fast. They were babies at one point. And like, where the hell did the time mm. go? You know? And so those types of things, I'm so grateful that I, that I get to feel them today, but it's hard to feel sometimes, you know, um, still. And it's something that I, I absolutely still work on, you know, daily. Like I, I talk do about you, it often. Do you cry more that often than when you were drinking? Have you noticed that? I had a good cry when I was down in Huntington. It's probably the first in a while. Like there's really overwhelming. My wife was and I were going through some stuff and um, I just like, it felt good to get it out. But, and then I, man, I, I'm trying to remember the, I know I cried in rehab, like a, like a, freaking grown baby man i was oh, like man. that's what i was bringing it up like early <laughs> yeah dude it, it is the most humiliating and the most like relieving feeling i think yeah. to just ball like i was bawling early recovery i would like listen to i was listening to earl hightower one of these aa speakers oh yeah and he would say something about uh like the pain that he was feeling like losing his family and i would just lose my mind like crying yeah. for five minutes tears man. everywhere dude to yeah it's yeah, it's an emotional time, especially early on. Like, you know, I remember being in the bathroom. I was like, it was like my second day. I was in like a detox room. And I remember just being like butt-ass naked. I was, I was trying to take a shower, you know. And like, I remember the shower was going and I was like, just like, I, I couldn't believe like I was there. Like, how the hell did I get here? You know, I'm not supposed to be here. Like that type of, like, right. I'm not like I how how did this happen like i never wanted to drink you know like and then my life is just in a total place i never thought i would be and i remember just like just crying like a like a baby bro just let, and it did it felt good to get it out um yeah. but it was also um you know i think it was, there's some there's some relief in it but i'm not afraid to cry i mean i i, I still but i still it's hard for me to cry though i think me too uh, when when i think about it because i really I really try to like hold it together and um, and I think I would deflect not feeling some certain things versus it, it take it's gonna take a minute. So I mean I'm a work in progress on that feeling stuff, man. It's so it's so hard still, you know. Me and you both, man. Yeah. It's I think maybe my girlfriend's the only person who's seen me cry ever. Maybe, yeah. Maybe since I was like a little kid. So it's mm -hmm. just it's so hard to um to like feel comfortable expressing that emotion. And then yeah. when you suppress that emotion, when you would suppress like sadness, you suppress anger because that's another emotion I don't like showing often. I had like yeah. a really angry, angry family growing up. Hmm. Uh, it just comes up in weird ways and then you crave addiction, right? The, the feeling yep. is suppressed. And you're like, Oh, I need to, I need to get out of this feeling. And then yeah. the addiction comes back. It's, it's a terrible cycle. One question I wanted to ask you is about, working the steps because you said like AA was a big part in your recovery. It's, it's a huge part in sort of turning your life around. Um, why do you think so many people quit AA? 
I, in my experience, a lot of people quit. A lot of people don't even make it past like step four. I'm just curious yeah. your thoughts on that and how you might encourage somebody or what you might say to somebody who's considering quitting. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't necessarily know. I think everybody's different. Um, obviously, you know, everyone, everyone has different reasons why they might quit or, um, why they would even never step foot in a meeting. I mean, that's another yeah. one too. Um, so I think you, you know, you have stigma stuff there. Oh, it's a meeting. Now I'm gonna have to call myself an alcoholic forever, you know, which isn't for, to me, I don't think that's the case. That's just my, my personal view on it. Um, but because everybody's different, right. And, and I'm not saying anybody who does want to say I'm an alcoholic for the rest of my life. Oh yeah. That's great sure. too. Like, I, I don't care. I just want to, I just want to know what works for somebody and, and I know what works for me. And so I think we have to find that. And the only way we can find that is by putting ourselves out there and like showing up, you know, but I think a lot of people quit. They're just not willing to put the work in. It's not, it's not easy. Like you, you have to show up like that. I had that posted in my office for a long time. Like just show up because when I just show up, I can let God do the work. I don't have to do it all, but if I don't even show up, how can I do anything? Like, and, and I don't do it anyways, you know, because I'm not even there. So I have to allow myself, yeah. um, you know, the, I have to make myself available for God to work. And so, um, you know, if, if somebody is hesitant, like I've had so many emails from dudes who are like, man, I went to this meeting and I walked and paced for 30 minutes outside, you know, and then mm -hmm. I never went in, I drove off. And one, one in particular, I remember a guy said he did that like three or four times. And then finally he went in. And he got the most warm welcome and he was amazed at like how nice the, the people were in there and how much they didn't, they didn't pressure him. They, you know, yeah. they, they didn't judge him. He felt like, um, you know, he felt a sense of like comfort in that. And so I think a lot of the time we make shit up in our heads and make it 10 times worse than it actually is. And that goes mm -hmm. along with the fear, the anxiety, all the reasons that we drank before. So, I mean, you just got to put yourself out there. It's a lot for some people. I get it. There's a lot of online meetings and stuff now too. Like for somebody who might be listening, who's scared to go to like an in-person meeting, there's so many options where you can go jump in an online meeting and just, and just sit there and listen and just check it out and see what that's about. Um, you know, nobody's going to put you on the spot or make you feel stupid or uncomfortable or anything. I, I've never seen that happen ever. It's no, always been warm yeah. and you know, yeah. So I, at the end of the day, it's fear, bro. Like everything is based around fear. So yeah. if I'm pissed off at something, what am I scared of? If I am hesitant and feeling anxiety about going into a meeting, why am I scared to do that? So I always try to come back to that. It's something my sponsors really instilled and kind of taught me along the way is like every feeling that we have if it's a negative feeling, most of the time, when I look back and, and try to like dig a little bit, it's something that I'm scared of, like underneath. So I think that's a good tool to kind of help us that's recognize. Really good. Yeah, that's really good. And then you can go into the fear inventory, right? Look at those. Yeah, columns, exactly. At, talk to people about it. Try and figure out what's under that fear and how you can process that. Yeah. What do you think out of all the steps, out of all the. Um, even things outside of recovery, just life events that have happened in while you've been sober, what do you think is, has been the most scary thing that you've had to do or the most 
uh, the moment of the greatest fear that you had to overcome? Oh man. Um, gosh, well, we're going deep Shane. I know. No, I'm trying to think. I mean, I know just like, like when I, went to re- when I went to rehab, like that was, that was like almost the easy part, you know? Mm. So going back out and having to go back to a job that I was like super unhappy in, and that was my own doing, right? I didn't have anything to do with the job. Like I just, I didn't like it, you know, and it was a good job. It's, it's still, you know, it got me, it helped get me to where I am today by putting that time in there. Um, but like having to go back into life and like be this new person and not have alcohol. So that was a really scary thing to recognize very early on. And I think that's what a lot of guys struggle with too, is like, how in the shit am I going to live life without alcohol? How am I going to go to a baseball game? How am I going to go to um, my buddy's party? How am I just going to come home after work one night after I just had a long ass day and not have a beer? So there's a lot of fear in that early on, like having to let go and figure out how to do life without this crutch that I leaned on for so mm. long, you know, and, um, you know, thankfully I, I didn't have to do it alone, but it was really scary. And that's probably what prohibited me from, you know, from actually getting help a little bit earlier on because I just didn't want to give it up. It was, um, it was like the only tool that I knew how to deal with life with, you know, was, um, was that. And so coming home, and then trying to like have to stay sober and go back to work and figure out how I'm going to get out of debt and, you know, figure out how I'm going to mend like these relationships that I've broken and figure out how now everyone sees me as like this person who like, Oh right. man, he's like went away to rehab. And, you know, because a lot of, I was a very, um, I did some stupid shit, no doubt, but like I was a very like functional drinker and drug user. Like I wasn't the dude who was like blacked out in the, in the gutter or on. Yeah. You, know, you were never homeless. You never. Yeah. Well, and not even that, like, but even when we would kick it, like I was always like, and I got, you know, I got jacked up. Don't get me wrong, but like I could always maintain, like I could still right. talk to people. Like you would never come up on me like very rarely and see me like my eyes bouncing around and like not be able to like control. And so I only bring that up because when, a lot of my family and close friends heard that like I, I had to like go to rehab and like get help. They didn't really understand it because I wasn't that stig. It wow. wasn't that stigma of like, yeah. I got four DUIs. I, I, I am homeless. You know, I went to jail. Like I didn't have a lot of that stuff happen. And so that's kind of breaking down those stigmas of like, this is the mold of somebody who struggles with addiction. Like the mass majority of people who struggle with it, are people who hold jobs are people who yeah. are trying to take care of business are, you know, a lot of high profile people, you know, they have big responsibilities and big titles, which all doesn't mean jack shit to me. I, I'm not saying they're any more important than, than anybody who, but they is break homeless the or whatever. They break out of that stereotype. They do a hundred percent, a hundred percent. It, it's like, man, it's such a widespread thing. And dude, like, you know, like dudes like you having podcasts and doing the work you're doing and like sober guy and all the other folks out there, we're helping to bring this stuff out into the open by talking about this For stuff, sure. you know, For and, sure. and breaking that mold, like one podcast, one meeting, one, um, you know, uh, one meetup, like whatever it is like at a time. So, 
yeah, there's a lot of good work to be done, but um, 100%. I think it comes back to breaking down some of that stigma, you know, and that prevents a lot of people from going to getting the help they need. And it also helps them quit because they're like, eh, whatever. And some people just aren't ready too, you know? Yeah. Some people just aren't yeah, ready. They still, need, they still need that escape. I love yeah. what you just said about a little bit earlier as well about how that was your tool, right? That was the tool you used, whether it was a social situation, yeah. whether it was end of the day, stressful day at work. So it's not like you solved the problem. All you did was take away your tool that you had used to solve the problems. So you come out of rehab with a shit ton yep. of problems and your favorite yep. solution isn't in the bag anymore. And I think that's such an important thing for people to understand starting this process is that, yeah, getting sober, coming out of rehab sober, that's kind of the starting line. That's kind of the, the initial is. step. And then you're going to go through this process. You learn how to get in touch with your feelings. You learn how to yeah. sort of operate on a regular level. Um, so I love how you said that. And you're so right about the stigma. You totally break the mold, man. And a lot of people are inspired by you. It's awesome what you're doing. Thanks, dude. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. And I don't I don't take that lightly. Like it's um it's something that means a lot to me. And I, I also am, you know, I I, I always want to remain like humble and down to earth. And like I would never like that's so important to me, you know, just to be able to um help help people understand that this is like, dude. Like I'm just a dude from Northern California who that sober guy. struggled with freaking alcohol for a long time yeah. and like started a podcast. Like that's, and that's, what's so cool about it, I think, man. And hopefully that helps people relate, you know, um, and, and understand like, Hey, I'm not alone in this. And, you know, if I could tell myself something, or if I could tell another dude out there, like listening right now, just to, to kind of piggyback on what you're saying, cause it really is such an important point. Like alcohol is not your problem. <laughs> like yeah. alcohol was not my problem. Don't, you know, don't take it the wrong way. When I say that it's an issue for a lot of us, but you're the problem. Like I'm, I'm the problem. Like I was the problem. It had like alcohol yeah. was the tool that I used to deal with all the shit. I don't know how to deal with. So if I could go back and help myself understand that like pre 2013, I think I would have been ahead of the game a lot because we tend to just blame all our problems on, oh my God, I'm, I, it's the alcohol, it's this. Like, exactly. And people told, well, you got a drinking problem. Well, fuck you. I don't have a drinking Excuse me. Sorry, I didn't mean to drop an F-bomb. No, nah, go ahead um, and drop all I, the bombs. I, 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 I don't have a drinking problem. You know, So we get caught in this like circle of like, it's just the alcohol. And it's, yes, that's a, that's a, a component of it. But like, man, we have to deal with all the stuff from our childhood. Like a lot of us had trauma. A lot of us went through things that we, we didn't, you know, it was out of our control, but we still played a yeah. part in it. We got to work through that stuff, you know? And so I think if a lot of guys can, this kind of ties back into what you were saying about why do so many people quit? I think if we can recognize that ahead of time and, and start to understand mm. that component of it a little bit better, like it's not just the drugs and alcohol. That's a big component of it. Yes, it's a, it's a problem. But man, when we start to take personal responsibility and we want it and we, and we want to start to learn who we are and we want to stop making excuses, here's the big one. We want to stop playing the victim mentality. Victim mentality has destroyed um, so many people and it's destroyed so many parts of our society and our culture because everybody wants to be a victim today. Like cut that shit out. It's, it, it does nothing except um, weaken us like as individuals and collectively as a whole, 
you know? So yeah. man, it's like, you can hear, I, I get a little fired up about it because like, I'm that's like, good. That's good. It, it means a lot, right? It means it so much to it's you. Huge. And it's, and it, if it can make a difference, like what you just said in the last like 20 seconds, I'm clipping that. I'm putting that on reels, putting that on TikTok. Please like it's a good, we can, we can wrap this up, man. Like you, you really yeah. nailed it there. And I think that, um, you're passionate because you know, it can make a difference in somebody's life. And because you've already experienced that with having this podcast, you can, you can have positive change in people's lives. And that's why I love doing this. That's why I'm so glad you came on the show. And, um, usually my last question is what would you say to somebody who, uh, is struggling, but you already did that. Mm. So I feel like you, you nailed it. I just, I really, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much, well, Shane. I really appreciate yeah. you coming on, man. Yeah. So I, can I, can I answer that one? Last? Is that cool? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So what, do, what is one more, what is one thing you would say to somebody who is struggling with addiction right now? I would just say, don't give up. Like we only lose when we give up. Like you, like if I can do it, you can do it. If Adrian can do it, like you can do it. Like there's so yes. many people out there who man have failed at many times at the things they've done, but like keep trying, you know, keep trying because eventually it's going to click something's going to click, something's going to change. And like the caveat to that is like, you're not alone going through whatever it is that you're going through. It's going to try to isolate you and make you think you're alone. You're not. The best thing you could do is step out, get a little bit uncomfortable in that and get involved in a group, in a community, in a fellowship, whether it's a church, a 12 step, man, something. You can jump on sober guy, go to that soberguy.com. We have an amazing men's locals group. Um, I have a 30 day uh, podcast program uh, called quit drinking dude that, I mean, th- there's a lot of resources. We have so meetings cool. on there. We have all kinds of stuff, um, you know, and, and we can help, um, you know, anybody out there who's, who's looking for something, um, you know, to, to help change or help quit. So thanks so much for having me on your show, man. I really appreciate the opportunity. Shane, you're awesome, man. I appreciate it. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening to this episode of The Addictive Pod. If you enjoyed listening to Shane's story, be sure to check out his podcast. It is That Sober Guy Podcast. And his website is thatsoberguy.com. And on his website, you can find he actually has a 30-day course to help people to quit drinking. So a lot of good content there. Be sure to check the link in the description below. My Instagram is at Addictive Podcast. You can stay up to date with episodes coming up. And I have a cool bit of news. I'm going to be featured on the Sober app. So this is a new app coming up. It is going to be like, I think it's going to be like the Facebook for addicts. So where people can come together, join communities, and find resources to help them recover from addictions. So I'm really passionate about this project. I'm so thrilled to be a part of it. And I hope you guys check it out. I'm going to also put a link to their Instagram in the description. I think it's launching this week. It should be coming out really soon. That's all for me today, and until next Wednesday, remember, we recover together.